it's really about who can sort of minimize the mistakes and make the least amount of mistakes and just sail a really smart series. For the best Olympics coverage, subscribe to the OTB Highlights podcast feed on the OTB Sports app now. Oh, the shape that will get. You've let all the fans down. Can we not lock this? It's a fact. I am not playing mind games. I am talking about facts. I always said if I was Aladicci, I would probably say I was more of a tactical genius. The answer questions on anything. Religious, politics, uh, health. You know, sexual uh, problems. Look at his face! Just look at his face! None of you except for those two have done anything to justify the money that you earn. None of you! Disgrace! And I suggest you shut up and show more football. Hey, welcome along to Team 33, the football happy hour here in Off The Ball. I hope you're all keeping well. Euro fever is over. Olympic fever has taken over. And there's no real football happening. And when there's no real football happening, that's when the real business begins the transfer market is well and truly up and running sam lee will be joining me sam lee from the athletic he'll join me later on to talk about life as a journalist in the middle of all the rumors in the middle of all the transfer madness but first manchester united have probably been the most busy of the english clubs in the in the transfer market so far they've secured the names of Jaden sancho and rafael Varane, two fairly good signings kieran bradley is on the line with me to discuss kieran We'll start with Varane. I mean, Danny Mills says that his Champions League medals can get in the bin. This is the Premier League now. This is the big leagues for Rafael Varane. Yeah, that, that is the real quiz, isn't it? That's uh, Danny Mills' uh, take on things. Yeah, um, I, I, he, he's an absolutely amazing signing. Like, it, it's uh, it's one of those ones that if you're like if he's your, coming to your club, you really do have to pinch yourself a little bit because... I think particularly Manchester United fans have found themselves uh, immensely disappointed with either the profile of the player that's been targeted or the money that's been signed, uh, they've been signed for. So to get a genuinely world-class centre-back, you know, theoretically in the prime of his career at 28 years old for initially at least under uh, £35 million by all uh, accounts, it, it's, it's really quite, it's quite mind-boggling. And actually... I'm not sure if we're we're kind of bizarro land now where Manchester United are actually doing their business reasonably under the radar and you know kind of to the principles that they would have done under under Gill and Ferguson. So yeah, it's a really really exciting signing for United fans, I'm sure. Yeah, it's a, it's an odd one. It is a very strange feeling to be sitting here because I mean we've made no bones about it that you know we're United fans on the show and um, to sit here and think that Rafael Varane, World Cup winning. Multiple, I think four Champions League winning, three La Liga titles, coming to United for under 150 million just doesn't seem like there's something there's there seems to be some sort of catch. But it is because he's on his one year left in his contract. Madrid need the money, they need to get people off their wage budget, and they need to get their biggest stars out to make way for people like uh, Alaba coming to the club. So this is why Rafael Varane has joined Manchester United, but I mean. Everyone's saying that this is going to be Maguire, Varane is going to be Vidic, Ferdinand once again. Once again, it could potentially be that good. That's that's how good the signing is for United. Yeah, it could be. I think um, a lot of United fans, particularly, um, have been saying that Maguire needs to be complemented by someone pacey, uh, someone who's got a good positional sense, and Varane, I think, definitely has both of those. 
Um, he's obviously got an incredible reading of the game. We had Filippo Clare on the show not two weeks ago talking about him being effectively the complete defender. Um, as I say, like this really is one of those situations where, you know, even if you listen to kind of rival fans, like mates of mine who are Liverpool, Arsenal, et cetera, they're, they're all, you know, just like hats off. This is just an interesting signing. And actually I was going back and I was thinking like that, that there's, United very rarely sign world-class players at a reasonable like stab at their peak. Like you really can't go back. You probably go back to, I know it didn't work out very well, but Veron maybe was, was really the last one. Like in terms of, if you look back at like Van Persie, for example, he was definitely the best you know, strike in the league, and it was a it was an audacious move, but he was probably on the the wrong side of you know twenty nine thirty. He had had his you know he'd had his injury problems. Varane, I think, is in much better nick. I think if you look at the fact that he's been there at Real Madrid for ten years, but gradually is getting more and more game time because as the likes of Pepe and and to a lesser extent Ramos have left, he's got a little bit more time, so he's got more miles in the legs. Um, I think that they really could be a very, very good partnership. And uh, I remember saying to um, Ronan, actually, at the time, was that if Maguire is your second best centre-back, you're in fantastic shape. And like, and don't get me wrong, I think Maguire gets a lot of unnecessary like nonsense from both United fans and outside. Like, I think he's a very, very accomplished centre-back. I think he showed it again at the Euros. I think you, you really have to be watching United week in, week out to realise the organisational capability of Maguire as both a captain and, and a centre-back. And I think, you know, the, the potential for having those two uh, like as centre-backs really just transforms the rest of the team because it might not mean that um, that uh, Fred and McTominay have to both be playing. Um, it means that, you know, the the, the midfielders um, don't have to be worried about what's going on behind them quite so much. Like the shorter passing coming out of defence is a lot better. It means that, you know, the likes of Sancho don't need to, you know, come quite so deep. I mean, it really is just, it's one of those ones that I think it is, it's just, it's people are licking their lips really to see how it works out. Yeah, you just really hope it's not going to be one of those that, you know, backfires. I mean, uh, Angel Di Maria was probably, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I don't I don't think he's at the same quality as uh, the likes of Varane is or held to the same esteem. But, I mean, he was a very good player when United signed him, didn't work out. If you look at Thiago, who seemed to be at his peak when he signed for Liverpool last year, that just just hasn't seemed to, you know, get, get off the ground. And might, next year it might do, you know, some players do take time to adjust to Klopp systems. Varane seems like a player who's going to come in and straight away, sort of like Bruno Fernandes, immediately transform the the squad altogether. And if you look at United's team now, compared to, say, five or six years ago, United have Rafa Varane, Bruno Fernandes, Jadon Sancho, Paul Pogba, Harry Maguire. You know, that's that's a core of five or six, not only really good players, but really good leaders as well. Yeah, and absolutely. Edison Cavani as well. I should add. Yeah, for that's that's what I was thinking there as well. Like, uh, no, uh, take point on Di Maria, and you could make the argument as well for Pogba when he came in was was kind of reaching that level. But in terms of like proper nailed on, like this guy's won a World Cup, this guy's won four European Cups. Like, it's just it's insane. And you're absolutely right. Like, I think actually, if we looked at the United squad after the VRL game, you could be uh, you could be forgiven for thinking actually there's a significant sort of weakness in the spine. And if you look at one of the Hayra Henderson, who both have their drawbacks. You have uh, either Lindelof or Bay uh, beside Maguire. Fred and McTominay kind of have to function really as a pair. McTominay is probably not an out and out defence midfielder just yet. 
he may well be. Uh, and and then Cavani, there was concerns that he wouldn't sign. But now, obviously, Cavani signed. They've brought in Sancho to complement Bruno Fernandes in terms of being a creative outlet for um, for the side. That having a having a quality centre back, I think, actually even probably lessens the need to fi- uh, to find a top quality defence midfielder if they need that indeed. Um, but I think they will still go for that. It'll be interesting now to see what happens with Solskjaer and the recruitment team because it seems that they need to get rid of a couple of players. If that is Pogba, if that is Lingard and, and any another of the ones who've featured less this season. So uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how the next month then. To be honest, like United are so used to like pushing all of these deals up to the line to do this weird brinksmanship that never seems to pay off with with Ed Woodward. It's just nice to have stuff done before August has even come about. So, yeah, it's amazing. You mentioned Paul Pogba. I do want to talk about Jadon Sancho in a little bit, but Paul Mm -hmm. Pogba was someone that came up with Andy Mitten on uh, Wednesday nights off the ball, or Tuesday nights off the ball, rather. And essentially, it's coming down to money. It's coming down to contractual issues. And you always get that with a Mino Raiola player. And it's been a a continual issue with Paul Pogba and you know I'm not going to sit here and say it's all him because I would firmly believe that a large chunk of it is down to his agent and trying to get him a a, a bigger contract with Paul Pogba one year left in his contract after this season if United sign him on a big long-term deal or a, or a, a short-term deal for big money they could end up in a Mesut Ozil situation where he doesn't want to be at the club anymore. He's on a lot of money and they can't sell him because of that. Yeah, so I, I'm a bit conflicted with Pogba because uh, I I personally, I think the time's come for him to leave. Uh, I think actually, like, uh, I don't like his attitude at certain points during the season where he just kind of downs tools and you can see it and everyone can see it. And, you know, he tries one game and then he doesn't the other. So that's immensely frustrating. I think now uh, it's actually a pretty interesting decision for Pogba because... For the first time, probably since he's been at the club, United have gone out and signed world-class players. And the project like, is now looking in a healthier shape than it ever has. It just seems to have overlapped with him coming to the end of his, his contract, potentially, with, with United. I do have an element of sympathy for Pogba insofar as he was sold the idea of being the star at United. And he came in and he's seen a great deal of flux. Mourinho is Mourinho. He had his issues with Pogba. Um uh, and it's seen a great deal of churn in that time. Um, but at the same time, I think that it's reached a natural end. I think um, United would probably rather, obviously, for PR reasons, not losing again on a free. Um, I think if they could get reasonably probably over 50 million, I think they would probably bite someone's hand off for that. Um, there's there's um, transfers out there that can be had. They've been linked with Salnigas from... Um, from Atletico, like that's a potentially really good um, change. Donny van der Beek's obviously uh, lacked game time last season, looked a little unconvincing, but with more minutes in the legs, who knows what he can do. Um, but I do I do think that Pogba really has to decide uh, what he wants from his career notes, because the fact is, like PSG uh, are the most mooted likely destination. Does he want to go back and play French football, arguably the, the, the peak of his career, and do what effectively Neymar's had to do and, and bank on being in the quarter semis? You know, final of a Champions League every year. I don't think that's him. He like the likelihood is that he's going to wait out the contract and see whether a Real Madrid or a Barcelona or someone like that will be coming in. But Real Madrid want Mbappe. Are they going to be able to fork out enormous wages for both of them? Almost certainly not, given the brand deal. So it's very complicated. I personally um, would just. I, I think if PSG are interested, I would like 
to see that deal done and just to kind of draw a line under it. I think Solskjaer has managed the Pogba situation very well, but there comes a natural conclusion to any player's uh, tenure at a club, and I think that's been reached with Pogba now. Mm. I think we're at the point with Pogba where, you know, he does want to be the main star, but also he wants to win things. So you need you need stars around you to do that as well. You can't. It's proven over the last couple of years that you can't do it by yourself. I think United are at the stage now, especially with Varane coming in and Jaden Sancho as well with that little added bit of creativity that with Bruno Fernandes in midfield, someone like Saul, who is a good player, is a very functioning midfielder, I think, is what United need. They need an engine. They need um, a player who's good on the ball, but also is, you know, Pogba is very much a stroller on the pitch, play a, an amazing 60-yard ball that nobody's seen and, you know, banging a couple of goals every year. But he's not a Salnagez. He's not a Gundogan. He's not that style of player that, you know, does the dirty work, not necessarily a defensive midfielder, but is the, the link man between the defensive midfielder and the attacking mid. I think that's what United need as opposed to Paul Pogba. So it'll be interesting to see how his United career pans out and if he ends up staying at the club um, this season. Jaden Sancho then. This is, <laughs> they've finally gotten their man. It's like, you know, the the meme that was going around when, in the U.S. press conference, when ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that's that's how United should have announced um, Jane Sancho come to the club. <laughs> the, 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 this has been coming for a long, long time. Uh, excitement, uh, relief. What what's your feelings around this transfer? Bit of both, so mainly relief, really. And I think actually, again, uh, not to kind of blow smoke up uh, Edward Wood's bum too much, but like the the fee is amazing, really, when you look at it, like mm-hmm. seventy three million, and that was like apparently the the kind of max that they'll pay out, right? And they've they've got it over five seasons, so it's only an initial kind of fifteen twenty minute out uh, twenty million outlay. Um, yeah, I like. I think the fact is most uh, most United fans are always jaded with the idea of Jaden Sancho at this stage. So it's going to be like a refreshing change when you see him in the shirt and just be like, oh my God, yeah, I forgot he's actually a genuinely world-class player and possibly the most exciting outside of Ireland and um, Mbappe, the most exciting young player in the world. And um, United... <clears throat> I'd like to, to to just briefly touch on Solskjaer. I think the good thing with Solskjaer is that he seems to see what most United fans see. And I don't think it's done in the sense of like trying to please the fans. We've missed uh, an outright um, attacking midfielder on the right probably since Nani, really, like as in someone who can play there. And that's been uh, like blatantly obvious. And the fact that he has his versatility where now you're looking at potential front four or five of Sancho, Rashford, Cavani, Greenwood and Fernandez, like you can kind of interlink with various sort of alacrity there. It's incredible. And like, uh, I mean, it's just really exciting. Like it's, uh, it's funny actually, because as I said before, like I'd have mates who are uh, fans of different clubs and they're kind of like, you know, they'll grit the teeth a little bit like, yeah, all right, fair play. That's actually a really good signing. And I think actually even just watching England during the, the summer, I was thinking, yeah, that's fine. Rashford and Sancho, you sit on the bench as much as you like there, lads. You, you rest up because uh, you're going to be needed next year. Yeah, poor old Rashford's going to be out for a long, long time. I, I mean, we, we've spoken about him before. There's talks going on between the club and, and him right now, whether he's going to get surgery. The surgery will have him out until October. I mean, at some point, he's just going to have to get this and, you know, you know, you're going to have to deal with not having Rashford for a couple of uh, couple of months because if they don't deal with him being out for a couple of months, they're going to have to deal with him with uh, retiring early and having these injuries repeatedly over the next couple of years. 
For, from what um, is coming out of the club, it's it's a, a matter of when, not if he has the surgery. In the sense that, like the the doctor they have, uh, I think only has time kind of at the back end of this month early start of next month so uh i don't think there's a question that it'll happen but and obviously it makes the most sense to have it in the off season anyway like um he's been playing since that stress fracture at the back he's been playing with a, a lot of niggling injuries like the shoulder one and now apparently he's strained ligaments in his right foot like uh, middle of last season and like he's a player who relies on explosive pace in some senses so all of this stuff you know being off kilter in one or two senses just throws everything off. Like, I, I think that that that's the beauty of this, uh, Sancho signing as well, is that he can play on the left, uh, Greenwood can play on the right if needs be, Daniel James can obviously pop in whenever he needs to as well. So, like, United suddenly have some options there, which they didn't have before. Um, so, yeah, I think Rashford, he's, uh, as we've seen, he's a very conscious man in a lot of senses, and I think he'll be very conscious of what's best for him and best for the club as well. So, it should be mm. fun. Yeah, I think... He, he just needs to get it and, you know, need to bite that bullet. Um, I guess before we finish up then, you know, the transfer market in general, it's um, it's what we're going to be talking about with Sam Lee after it is being in the middle of it as a, as a journalist. It's become sort of a circus. It's become almost a season in itself. I mean, um, the social media aspect of it is a bit just, you know, it's just a bit annoying more than anything it's just a bit annoying you know you look under Fabrizio Romano's tweets and he could be he could be talking about some some player going from Marseille to you know I don't know a team in Belgium and somebody will be replying saying Sancho news Arsenal signings you know and these these players these sort of I want to say bots because they seem like bots but they're not with Premier League footballers as their profiler I mean do you like the transfer market? Do you hate it? Do you hate the way it's become? Or what's your thoughts on it? I, I found actually, uh, I was thinking about it, it kind of reminds me of a bit of Love Island in the sense that um, I, I hate it. I hate the idea of it and kind of being, you know, drawn into having to watch this and see this stuff. But then kind of as I'm exposed to it more and more, I do find myself getting a little bit more kind of addicted to it. Uh, and yeah, no, I, I can't imagine because we were saying off air before, like one of our tweets got picked up by kind of United Aggregator site and you see the the kind of mental arguments that people have when they've got like Don Pogba as their, as their title with the with the avatar and everything. And they're having like these back and forths with people who are saying that Bruno Fernandes is rubbish and all this stuff. It's just mad stuff. Like, And it's so obviously like young people and like people from abroad having to like, you know, try to feel a, a sense of like engagement with the club, which is fine. Like it's all pretty harmless, but I do definitely uh, sympathise with what Sam was saying yesterday around, you know, try and work in this job and no one likes to hear journalists be kind of like woe is me because you know we're in a privileged position but at the same time like there is a lot of um just craziness and like really personal stuff like thrown around i I just think it's actually pretty depressing but i do find myself thankfully not throwing personal insults but certainly uh scrolling through do you know what i've actually discovered has been a thing now it's starting i'm starting to say a lot more is people breaking down the deals so say for example the um the, the Raphael Varane deal. People from rival cl- clubs have started like adding things on that, <laughs> you know, United are, are actually, so say for example, I'll, I'll take the, um, I'll, I'll give the Celtic example. So Celtic recently sold Christopher Iyer to 
Brentford for I think it was thirteen point five million pounds plus a couple of million in add-ons, and it came up to about fifteen million pounds in total. And fans started breaking it down, saying, "Well, actually, Brentford are going to be paying them this amount of wages over this amount of seasons, and they're, they're only actually paying this over the course of a couple of seasons. So the deal is actually only worth about fifty euro if you actually look at it from that perspective." And I've seen it time and time again now with a couple of transfers. I'm like, "Who who are these people?" Yeah, exactly, and like it, it's it's a presumption of knowledge about you know like like the uh, sort of um, Peter Lawwell sent you over the contract afterwards to like <laughs> sell hoop eighteen eighty eight or whatever. But yeah, it's mental, and like uh, I find it, I just find it really weird because on the one hand, I'm like, look, it's not my money. I only pay a certain amount towards the club every year. That's fine, but like at the same time, you don't want to see your own club get mug- mugged off. I think um, yeah, it's very weird, and like you know, but also like, kind of kind of wider point. I think people were talking about um, the likes of Ben White to Arsenal. It's like, oh, fifty million quid. So, well, listen, Ben White's a really, really good player, and Ben White, if, if Arsenal feel that he's going to significantly improve their back line. The money's moot like it really is like i mean obviously you know if you do in that situation you have a n- number of positions you want to fill then it's not ideal but at the same time you're working within the market you're in and and i think um just to come back to united united have pulled off two you could argue coups like they're, they're two really really good deals but then again they've absolutely wasted so much money with bad contracts with bad deals in the initial instance so it's all swings and roundabouts really Swings and roundabouts, but yeah, my 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 friend always says, you know, and uh, you know, everyone always mocks clubs for what they're paying for players, but he he always says to me, "Listen, it's not my money. I don't care. It's not my money that's coming out of my pocket." But anyway, Sam Lee is coming up after the break. We're going to be talking about what it's like to be in the middle of a transfer market as a journalist reporting on these stories. Karen Bradley, thank you. Cheers, Pat. All right, we'll take a quick break. Team Thirty Three. This is OTB Sports Radio. So I'm joined on the line by Sam Lee from The Athletic, who has been a semi-regular voice on OTB throughout the season. Sam has been providing updates on Man City's transfers over the last few years and last few months as well, but he had a really interesting thread on Twitter about the job of a journalist during the transfer market and how difficult it's becoming in the current climate. Sam, thanks for joining me. Yeah, no problem at all, no problem. Thanks for the invite. So first question then, uh, when is Jack really shining for Man City? Yeah. Uh, well, I was I was glad to see when I woke up this morning that um, there's other updates from journalists that I know well and trust on that. So I feel like I'm not 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 a lone voice anymore, but I feel like somebody else can take the burden. It's certainly a yeah an interesting race. The Villa fans, as like you can imagine, don't seem to want to let him go, but that's kind of manifested itself in some kind of weird online behaviour, which kind of led to the, that thread you were talking about yesterday. Yeah, and of, of course that is all your fault. It's your fault that Jack Grealish is signing for Man City from, from Aston Villa. But I guess for anyone who hasn't read the thread, can you give a brief synopsis of your thoughts and, and what led you to to write it, I suppose? Yeah, well, I will try to be brief. But I, I think I didn't realise there was a, a maximum capacity for Twitter threads, but it wouldn't let me add any more. So okay. it was obviously a long thread. I was worried it was, well, it was probably long and rambly, but it was just a collection of thoughts really on what it's like covering transfers as a journalist, but probably with a particular focus on just kind of how draining and unpleasant it is and how much, I don't know, like ideally you wouldn't have to do it. And I I kind of acknowledge throughout the thread that it's my job and I don't, I don't mind having to rise to that challenge of getting, um, you know, transfer updates and know what's going on. Um, but kind of the demand for it, is wild 
because like you can do something on a Monday and then by Tuesday people want updates again. And then I think probably the the bit that's maybe most relevant to that is if you then do get an update and you like, for example, I went to the city friendly match last night and you, know, you speak to more people there and you know, you get more context then about the move. So you, you do technically have an update, but you just think every time you share it, you're just inviting more abuse really. Mm. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm sure you've had journalists on in the past who have covered maybe Man City and it's the Man City fans who have been handing out abuse, whether it's been FFP stuff or something. Um, and obviously now with transfers, it's Villa fans, but it's just football fans in general. Like it doesn't really matter the club. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just that constant demand. Um, I suppose the other part of the thread is the fact that you do provide those updates and then on, like with Grealish, on the one hand, you've got Villa fans saying it's just not true whatsoever. But on the other hand, you've got some Man City fans who kind of, think it's a bit it's more than it is and they just want they want you to say it's done and i'm not saying this is all the man city fans but the the problem is there's so many replies saying just announce it or whatever it's like i know you kind of i don't know if it's a joke or it's just a kind of getting carried away but it's like you know i can't announce it if it's not done like yeah you, you can't put that pressure on people to do it um yeah and then i suppose there's another kicker of the twitter aggregator accounts that can't help but take things out of context because it's just their nature you know if there's a, if there's a, a man city or a man united or a liverpool news account that says you know this journalist is saying this if you just boil that down to like 20 words in a tweet you're just never going to get the full context and sometimes they make mistakes as well and they end up putting stuff because there's less good ones the man city ones are generally quite good there's one which is just rogue and you just think how how have you thought i've said that and then you start getting abuse then for things you've not said in the first place which is the worst of both worlds um, so yeah, it, it's that situation really. I wasn't looking for sympathy. I wasn't looking for it. Wasn't fishing for people going. Oh no, we think you're really good. Really, I just thought it was just one of those days when I felt it's probably a good time to just to give a different perspective on it. And look, you know, white male journalist. I'm I'm one of the last people that would say, oh, you need to feel sorry for me. Um, I've got it pretty sweet. You know, it's a it's a good job. Um, I'm not really complaining about it, but I just thought I'd shine a light on this little element. And I suppose that was triggered really by seeing that I was actually trending and like, people were sending it me going, oh, fair play, you're trending. I was like, that's not good though, is it? I was like, these people aren't, aren't saying what a fantastic article. Um, yeah, it wasn't, it, it wasn't good to be trending, but yeah, that's, that's kind of a little insight into just how it, it, it feels to be demanded on to, to put forward so many updates so regularly. Yeah, the the aggregator sites are quite interesting because uh, we we sort of got a taster of it last night um, when we had Andy Mitten on talking oh. about Man United and he was he, he he gave an update on Paul Pogba's contract situation and one of the um, I suppose from a from a broadcaster's perspective it's quite frustrating because you know the Andy Mitten tweet that we sent out got a little bit of interaction a little bit of reaction but then this aggregator took it. And it got like multiplied, but I guess to be the journalist involved in that, I mean, that's it, it, there, that tweet had, you know, over a thousand retweets. It had over three, 4,000 likes and like a th thousands of comments as well. And Andy Mitten mm -hmm. is tagged in every single one of them. So yeah, yeah, you yeah, can yeah. only imagine what that's like waking up with that being your phone, that being your Twitter with over 1,000, maybe 2,000, 3,000 uh, mentions or you know replies to a tweet that you're mentioning so yeah. it's absolutely crazy what these aggregator sites because they obviously they're a collection of all the fans that want that exact update as yeah, well yeah and again it's like it's not 
it's not that they're doing stuff maliciously. Like I said, it's just like the definition of the job they're doing is, you know, they're doing that job. Mm. Um, but then again, because I like to come on these things and kind of give extra context and stuff and talk around things and why situations are like that. And I do that on podcasts and stuff um, and in Q and A's and stuff. And I like that kind of feel of a, a little community where you can, it kind of, it's kind of contained within that. So there's like, I've got a podcast on the athletic, which obviously I need to do that more and more because they're kind of my listeners, but there's, a, there's another podcast I do for city fans, which is like a small subscriber base. I wouldn't say small. It's probably got a couple of thousand, but I always like doing those podcasts because I feel like what I say there stays there because as soon as you say something it gets boiled down to that one tweet and yeah like you say i hadn't thought of this until yesterday when a colleague mentioned it but why do we have to be tagged in it like just just say who we are like we don't have to be tagged i don't want to see all this mm. like there's been a, there's quite a few times when I, I know i've done a story in the morning and i know it's going to get aggregated so i'll just delete the twitter after for the day because it's just like it's just it's just too much um and that, that's part of it that's part of you know kind of just protecting yourself from the comments really and yesterday it wasn't like it's not like a mental health thing but like, I'm, I'm all right like it but it's just like can you can you be asked like it's just, <laughs> it's just so much and again like it's part of, it's part of the job you, you put yourself out there with the information and you know I'm, there might be people skeptical watching or listening and they and they do say you know well you've got to be right or you know you can't be covering up for mistakes by claiming mental health or whatever and that, that's not the case um you know, and mistakes are one thing, but you know, you work really hard to minimize those. But it's just the fact that, yeah, sometimes you, you get an abuse for stuff you've not even read. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, not even, sorry. But sometimes you get abuse for, um, it's like the amount of Villa fans yesterday saying, oh, but what about this? What about this? It's like, you just, you don't really know how it works. Like, there's, there's just a million little things about journalism, let alone actual transfer news that people don't really know. And I've always tried to explain that. I've been doing this job for six years. I've always tried to explain the way, um, media works and football stories and stuff like you'll always get city fans saying oh it must be the week of a big game like there's a negative story that oh we must have a big game coming up it's like these articles are not there to kind of disrupt the dressing room and even if they were the dressing room would not be bothered you know do you know <laughs> the kind of stuff that goes on within football dressing rooms that we never hear about that would be far more disruptive you know people getting arrested that never makes the papers kind of stuff that will be far more disruptive than somebody saying, I don't know, Raheem Sterling is not going to sign a new contract or something, like, or, or even you know a comment piece on FFP, that, just things like that, like, it, and yeah, when it comes to transfers, like the the logic of the Villa fans is that oh, we've got really rich owners and they're really ambitious. I was like, are they as ambitious and rich as Man City's owners? Like, it, it's just Greenish wants to move. Look, maybe, maybe there'll be some kind of U-turn at the end of the day, and this is this is the kind of thing as well. You, I feel like I need to stress so much what I'm actually trying to say, like. For the City fans who think, you know, they, they might get carried away and think it's I'm not saying it's done. Don't start photoshopping him into kits yet. I'm just saying this is the situation as it is now. But then the other end of the spectrum, you've got Villa fans going, it can't be this, can't be that. And then it, all these different arguments that are irrelevant. Like one of them was, oh, um, why? Because the article was actually about where he fits in at Man City, which I knew would be dangerous. I, I didn't particularly like the timing. I didn't want to do it so soon because I thought, it's better to wait until you know you get to that stage of a transfer where even if it's not officially done, the fact that everyone's talking about it, you you know that it's it's there then. And then you can kind of capitalise on that and do it. And I, I knew there wasn't enough talk around it to maybe justify the classic, where would he fit in at Man City? Because it's not quite over the line or close to being over the line yet. Um, but the article was just about where he fits in. And one of the comments was, oh, like, there's been nothing but Twitter ITK stuff about this. Why are you talking? I was like, well, there have been loads of reports about it. 
And then they were like, well, go on, name them. So I just posted a link to one of these players, <laughs> actually, because they just rounded up that. There was like a Friday during the Euros when I was off, but there was like reports in like all the main newspapers about Grealish going to Man City in, in different different details, but that was the first on this one particular day. And there was the MEN as well. And, you know, if it's the MEN, then you, you would imagine there's some kind of club sanction to it, you know what I mean? And City wouldn't let them write that they're going to sign Grealish for however many million if if it wasn't true. Yeah. Which is the kind of thing that people need to understand about the media and that that kind of thing. So I posted that link and then they were just like, oh, he's discredited his own argument. This is all talked about. This is all the mail. It's like, you said, uh, I was like, you just said there was no proper legitimate links by journalists. So I was like, these are the legitimate links by journalists. And I was like, and as much as anything, I'm telling you that it's, like, it, it could happen. Like, this is the situation. Uh, but it was just, and then it was just, oh, we've got owners who want to do this and he loves the club. And I know he loves the club, but he does want to go. So it's just how, and it's like, it's it's just a classic thing of don't shoot the messenger, really. But yeah. like, the, this, the amount of eyes on the messenger these days is, is a bit much. And look, I know, I know, it's not, it's not the hardest job in the world. And I'm not, like I say, I'm not looking for sympathy. And I know it kind of sounds like it when you're talking about these things, but it's just a different perspective needed, I think. Because if, if you're one of these people who are just going, oh, update, update, update. Uh, okay, that's one thing. That, that's that's draining enough, to be fair. But then I suppose beyond that, it, it becomes, you know, even, even if it's well-meaning and it's not abusive, it's kind of like, oh, like uh, we know, we know there's updates. You know, we've got editors. You know, we've got our own kind of professional pride. We want to provide these updates. We know we don't, we don't need the constant kind of reminders and the mm. demand. And like I say, like my, I, I replied to my mate and I've already deleted it because my mate tweeted this morning his own story that, you know, City are confident on Grealish and blah, blah, blah. And I replied to saying all the best and that got like 20 odd replies straight away. And I was like, actually, this isn't good for him. So I deleted it. But a couple of people were replying saying, is this true? And I was like, well, like, do you agree? And it's like, did you, were you not around? Yes. I mean, maybe they weren't. But it's like, if you're, if, that's one thing I always think. Like, if you're so invested in this kind of transfer, that you're going, oh, is this true? It's like, do you, did you not see all the talk about it yesterday when when I was doing it then? And it's like, what's, what's the difference between yesterday and today? And to be fair, me and my mate, we've got details that differ, but ultimately it's the same end. You know, it's like City, there's a very good chance they'll sign Grealish and that Grealish wants to join City. So it's just, yeah, I, I can understand it's it's kind of a confusing time and people want answers. Um, and you know, but we we try we try really hard to to provide them. But it's just yeah. it's just it's just crazy. It's just crazy. Isn't it? Yeah, I think it's it, it comes down to the whole you know everything's at the fingertips. Um, and you know, if you want to watch a three hour movie of any sort that you've never seen before, you can get it up on your on your laptop within seconds. Um, and I suppose yeah. that's where this sort of mindset comes, especially on social media. The sources and the trusted sources is an interesting one because I have a lot of friends that to this day still won't trust a transfer story until Sky Sports announce it, until okay. they see the, the yellow ticker come up, um, which is like, I mean, Sky sources are very rarely any different to most journalist sources. Yeah. Um, yeah. In terms, of, in terms of actually getting a, a transfer story, maybe just to educate people on, on how they yeah. unfold for you. So how many how many sources within man city would you need telling you in a piece of information before you would trust that you know there's something legitimate here that's potentially going to happen um and then you can start being confident enough to write that yeah, you know say for example grill issues is potentially going to come to man city 
Yeah, well, that's interesting. It doesn't necessarily have to be within Man City, but obviously you've got people who might be external to Man City but know mm. the situation. Um, the idea of trust is really interesting. But to answer that question initially, I'd say there, there's, there's, one, there's one person who, even if I didn't have any other sources, and he said, this is happening, that's good enough for me because I know who he is and I know who he knows and I know the circles he's in. And the track record now going back four years is just phenomenal. So it's like, it's like you talk about the, the reliability and stuff and people not believing it until it's on Sky or whatever. If that's what they choose to be reliable, then great. And I know for some people, they won't choose to believe something until I say it or my mate Jack was talking about it works for the mail. You know, these kind of reliability and there's there's tears on Reddit, which which is difficult as well man it's like who's deciding these tears and and also it's like you that then can turn into abuse you know if you if people like just want to discredit you you just get called tier five or whatever which is presumably the lowest one and it's that that's a slippery slope but essentially in terms of sources you've then got like i'd have my own tears i suppose it's not it's not how i actually think about it for the because so at the top i'd say i've got that one guy um but then you've got a load of others who are just, you know, friends of the players. But then it's not necessarily transfers because you might have like a friend of the player who's great on what they feel and their contract and their injury and other players and what happened in the dressing room. Um, but then they won't necessarily know about transfers until it's not too late. But, um, you know, if Grealish signs in, let's say, two weeks, that would be good because it's like the players will probably have a good idea about are oh, they coming in this week kind of thing. But you know, we need to be speaking about Grealish three months ago, really. Yeah. So, so that that's an interesting one. But then you've got those kind of second tier ones, which are still very reliable, and agents who work in the game and stuff. But then, obviously, within that, you need to work for a certain amount of years to know who you, who you can and can't trust. Because obviously, a lot of times in football, agents if they work for other industries, you know, there'll just be a lot of opinion in it. You know what I mean? Like there'll be, oh, I can't see why they want to sign him. He doesn't fit. It's like, well, that doesn't matter. Like if I. I don't necessarily, until I wrote that article and dug, dug around, I didn't know Grealish would, would play as an attacking midfielder, central, like in the kind of Gundogan position for City. I'd assumed he'd play on the left. But then I thought Foden and Sterling are there. So to me, it didn't make sense. But it doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense because it's what Guardiola wants and what City wants. If, if it's happening, it's happening. So there, there's that within the agency and, you know, just football world as well. Um, I mean, how many? Two... I'd, there's the usual standard in journalism is double sourced, isn't it? You get two sources yeah. on it. Um, and that's normally that's normally achievable. Um, it helps. There's so many other things as well that, you, that I in particular get sent. It can add up to three or four, and it might not be the full details, but it might be something that adds confidence to that. Um, so what I did yesterday when the Villa fans were kind of haranguing me a bit, and they were saying, oh, we'll go on. Because all, all I'd said was, because I wanted it to be an analysis piece, but I wanted to kind of justify why I was writing it. Like, it's not out of the blue. It's like, it, the move is advanced in terms of, it, you know, from everything I hear, it looks like he's going to sign for City. <clears throat> so I said that, and people were like, go on then, why are you saying that? And I was like, okay, well, I don't have to answer to anyone really, but I'm going to. So I kind of outlined the, the kind of sources that I'd heard it from, which kind of, you know, that top tier fella another guy who works in the game and around it. And they told me at the start of July. And then there was last week, it was a very kind of ITK sounding rumor. 
like the kind of thing, you know, like, oh, you know, so-and-so's, um, they're looking for houses or, you know, I saw, I saw his wife in the car garage or whatever she said, you know, you know what I mean? Stuff they just think that crops up all the time and it's never true. Somebody got in touch about some kind of preparations they're doing at Man City. And I was like, okay, I didn't know the guy. Um, so conversely, about the, the other player that you're trying to sign, Kane, somebody I do know told me another thing similar about, you know, Kane and Manchester and whatever. So it's like, I can trust that more because I know him. But this guy on Grealish, I didn't know him, but he was seemed very genuine. He kind of proved to me who he was and what he was saying about where he was was true. So that's interesting. And then dug around a bit more. Um, and I, as far as I could make out then, the, that was then true about City's preparations at the Etihad for bringing in Grealish. And I was like, well, that just then strengthens... You know, I can't use that detail in particular because it would give away the kind of source of it, really, the ultimate yeah. source where it came from. But I was like, that adds confidence to the first two sources anyway. And I messaged another guy who I'd know who works with... He doesn't work with somebody. He, he's a very good mate with somebody who works in like one of the high-up teams at City. And he was sending messages around to people and he got one back and it was about like security arrangements or something. And I was like, that is not enough on its own by any stretch to do a story on it. But coming back, added to the other stuff, just kind of helps add the confidence to it. So it's like, yeah, how does it go about happening? You, you do need the very solid sources at the start, but then normally, and it's normally after you write a story, you then get people chipping in with extra stuff you've heard. And then so I went to the City game last night and was speaking to people. And I spoke to two other journalists and somebody else. And it was just, again, this isn't necessarily, it, it, it doesn't affect anything that's out there that's already done because this was after I'd done it. But for my own confidence of how it's going, it's like there's more there's there's more evidence there that what I've said is right. And then obviously the, the next time it comes to it, you, you then go back to the people who gave you the info initially and you just, you, you then you just it's just digging around for the details but um even even that so i know this is kind of long and rambly but it's it's a it's uh, for me it's quite a long process and it's something you you know you always want them to be right like i said before you do make mistakes but like the mad thing is and part of that thread is people so you know you, you've got your mates who don't believe something to this on sky sports but you, there'll be some people who don't believe what i say now because Danny Alves didn't sign for Man City. And obviously I was like, well, Man City are going to sign Danny Alves. You know, he's during Manchester for that. And he was. And then he changed his mind, which everyone knows, which is on the record. You know, um, I think Danny Alves himself has talked about it enough times. He just decided he was going to go to PSG. Um, Alexis Sanchez. And like, for me, I know that that was... This might answer your question. Oh, Alexis, stop. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That happens all the time. Um, so I won't call him by his first name anymore. But Sanchez, from my point of view, I know that was right all summer. And all the situation was, was that he wasn't going to sign a new contract for Arsenal. He wasn't going to go to Chelsea. He wasn't going to go to PSG. And this is all the stuff in the media. But I was fortunate enough to know, and I know this sounds very arrogant, but it's just it's just true because of that ultimate source I was telling you about. And there was other sources on that as well who were very good. That, that City wanted... Um, Sanchez that summer in 2017 and Sanchez wanted to move to City and again that's all on the record and in the end he signed the contract because he was with Chile and they were going to kick off when the transfer window closed so he signed the contract but City left it right until the last minute to kind of have that leverage over Arsenal but until Arsenal realised that he wasn't going to stay so they tried to push it but then Arsenal couldn't get the replacement in 
um, and that and that the issue was it just kind of fell through late in the day. But then, so people still say Sanchez, Dani Alves, Messi last summer because you know ultimately he was going to go to City, but he just couldn't get out of his contract. And people still say, oh well, you got this wrong. It's like, I didn't get those ones wrong. But what I will say, and what I did say in the thread is, I've written before that same summer, 2017, I think, that Pepe Reina was being lined up for City. Just completely wrong. Like it was just it was just lazy. It had come from. Um, I can't really, I can't really go into it too much, but it, it was just lazy. I, I just didn't check it out properly. Um, there was Bruno Fernandez, and City had kept, I kept asking City because he was on the front pages of the Portuguese sports newspapers every day, every day. He's going to go to City. He's going to go to City. And I was just speaking, I was just speaking to City, the official comms department, like because I couldn't get any comments from anyone else. And in fact, there was somebody I did really trust, and I said, "Do you know what's going on with Bruno?" And he went. He goes, no, they don't want Bruno Fernandes. He goes, they want a partnership, like a Sporting Link partnership with for youth players with Sporting Lisbon. But they, they don't want Bruno Fernandes. I was like, right. And, but then the, there was other people who were kind of, who, who were, you know, low down that tier system. So I know there's people who were kind of around Man City and stuff, but I don't really believe them. But they were kind of saying it, and it was on the front of the papers every day. And I was ringing City, and I was like, look, can you just give us an idea? Is it true? Because City, if they're, if normally if they're being linked with players every day, and it's not true. They'll ring the journalist and say, forget it. So it's like, what? And, but it, the season hadn't finished. So they were like, look, we'll, we'll talk after the season's finished. I was like, right. And then, so I know, I know somebody in Portugal who's like really well connected. So I asked him, I think I asked him twice. I went into him first time. I was like, oh, I'm not sure. Second time I was like, look, there's just so much noise about it. Can you try and find out? And he rang me back. It was a Sunday. I remember I was away with, for the weekend with my wife and he rang me back and he had loads of information. He was like, these are the players, these are the conversations that have been had between this guy and this guy. These are the players that could be involved going the other way. This is the fee. And I was like, I was like, that that sounds good enough for me. So I did it. Um, and then like, I don't know, two days later, City had done that brief for the reporters who I was telling about, which I was looking for before. And they said, we're not trying to sign Bruno Fernandes. And they, they sent it to me. They were like, you can... It was like you can knock down the Bruno Fernandez stuff. I was like, that's fucking, that's my stuff. I was like, that's my stuff. So I just had to split second decision because I knew it was going to be tweeted. I was just had to put my hands up and say, look, they're not signing Bruno Fernandez this summer. Like I got I got the info wrong, and it was because I think I was so swept up in all the the news stories in Portugal and the and the sources that I shouldn't have believed. I overlooked the people I should have, and obviously when I when I then went to the guy in Portugal who I. I felt I could trust, but he was probably speaking to the same agents that were spinning the yarns for the newspapers, and he maybe got took in by it as well. Yeah, but again, that was that was three years ago, and then just the other another one was Johnny Evans. So it was the summer, it was the the winter that they signed Laporte. I think City were quite and they because they were trying to sign Johnny Evans. I think Evans signed a contract on the same day as Sanchez in the summer because he was with Northern Ireland, but in the end Mangala couldn't go, so they didn't have the squad, squad space. So they didn't sign him, and I think City were quite happy in that January to be like, oh yeah, you know, Johnny Evans is still an option kind of thing. But they went to sound Laporte. So at some point I was like, oh, Johnny Evans is an option. But obviously he wasn't. Or maybe he was, but you know, Laporte, the real, like it was still wrong because the main yeah. thing, you know, I was chasing the wrong ball really. They're after Laporte. And I was I was able to to confirm that they wanted to Laporte when the news came out in Spain. Because I messaged this, again, this main guy and I was like, I really hope this isn't the case, but are they signing Laporte after the U-turn that he did some of, uh, two summers before? And he was like, yeah bollocks so i do get stuff wrong but people never say johnny evans people never say um pepe reina like, but they're the ones that are wrong they're the ones that i like, didn't really have any truth in them they're the ones where i made mistakes in the process the other ones i talked about sanchez and danny alves and stuff, it was all right there was no mm. 
there was no prediction. There was no, this is done. This is the contract signed. It's going to happen. It just, it was the situation as of today. And then it didn't happen in the end. So like, I think between those practical examples, you'll probably get an idea of the, the sourcing that needs to go into it and how you, um, who, who you discuss these things with and, and who you trust as well. People just don't, um, they don't really appreciate the layers of, um, I suppose, trust and responsibility that you have as a journalist that this is your job that you can't just write what you see uh, you know off one person's word that you know they saw him in an airport yeah. and that's not that's not enough I, 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 one thing that i do want to ask you before we finish up if you look at your twitter or look at you know fabricio romano's twitter yeah or, um, let, I'll, I'll, I'll use fabricio as the, the example because i guess he he's one of the guys main guys that people go to on twitter he could have a, a story about uh, a midfielder from uh, Marseille signing for Bayer Leverkusen, say for example. And underneath that, there are hundreds and thousands of replies yeah. saying Sancho news, Varane news, completely like irrelevant to what he's supposed to be talking about there. And a lot of them are like you know, Twitter accounts with photos of say Paul Pogba as their 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 main account, and a, yeah. a lot of these fan accounts that you're like. Are these are these even real people? Because they seem to be, you know, they don't, they don't. The, the logic behind their responses just doesn't yeah, seem oh, to yeah, be exactly. a human being. But how much of the transfer window has become this sport? Because you know, there's international fans now that may not have been to games, and I'm not, you know, I'm not dissing international fans that they can't attend games because I mean, sometimes it's just too expensive. But do they has transfer has transfers in the transfer market become almost the sport in itself in yeah. some circles? Yeah, it's. I'll say transfer news is probably bigger than most in terms of what's read the most. I'd say transfer stuff is probably up up there with the biggest events in football. Obviously, when you've got the Super League stuff and stuff like that, in, mm-hmm. information is what people want basically. Um, so if you've got a big expose on how a manager got sacked or something, then you know that will be very well read or subscribed to in our case. Um, but it's obviously the most common ones of those are transfers, and yeah, there's just a huge kind of frenzy around it. And look, I'm not saying we're the innocent journalists in all this because look, sometimes you know we, I'm not saying we we play up to that because all the info has to be legit. But obviously, sometimes it's like you'll do a a, a, tra- a transfer roundup. Because you know people, but then because you know there's the market for it. Do you know what I mean? But like, I suppose if I had my way, if I'm being completely honest, I wouldn't do an update until there was really something to say. It's like it's like somebody walking in in the first innings of a cricket match and saying who's winning. It's like, well, what do you mean? Like, it's just like it's just starting. Like the other team haven't batted yet. Like they're, they're about five overs in. Like there, there is no winner yet. We don't, like there's, there's there's no point giving an update at that stage. Um, but yeah, it's 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 huge. Yeah, um, the off the field stuff is kind of sometimes bigger than what happens on the pitch, um, and we'll we'll see that. You know, we think it's bad now because they've gone back to having the transfer window still open when the season starts. And let I mean, it could be Man City because City haven't got much of a preseason. They got players coming back late. Um, the young players they have the academy closed, so it's been a disrupted preseason. Um, I mean, maybe Grealish will sign before, maybe you won't. Maybe Kane will sign before, probably you won't. But if they have a slow start to the season, because they've got like Spurs, Arsenal, Chelsea, um, Liverpool, whatever, Leicester in the first seven games. If they have a slow start to the season, the window's open and they haven't signed players yet, you think the frenzy's bad now. 
And like, I'm at, you know, like Arsenal fans as well. I know Arsenal fans are like famously OTT, but to be fair, everybody is really. But if any of those big clubs in particular have a bad start to the season and they've not been perceived... Look, if United have a slow start, they've got Sancho and Varane, so it won't be fever pitch. But say Arsenal don't really sign anyone and they have a terrible start, you wouldn't want to be an Arsenal journalist because no. there's so much pressure then, because there's pressure on the club to sign the players. But then, you know, the kind of, like you say, the, the football Twitter guys with pictures of footballers and no idea who how old they are or where they're based or whatever, the, the most mad guys, they're putting that pressure on the club. But they're also it's, it's almost like it's our burden that we need to go out and find players from Man City and bring them news. And it's like, well, it's just the messenger thing again. So, yeah, 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 it's it's a proper frenzy. And the transfer stuff is probably bigger than that most, most matches and most other types of content relating to football. So just before we finish up then... Um... So this gets picked up by an aggregate site and, and blows up and does lo- loads of views. Uh, out of 10, how likely do you think uh, the Grealish transfer is going to be? Um, I'm not doing that. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want to... Because I, I, I'm genuinely not because I've been so... And I'm always so careful as well not to... Because if I said 8 out of 10 or 9 out of 10, then you'll have City fans then thinking, oh, it must, you know, it must be you know, he's ready to sign. And it's like, look, I'm, I'm comfortable with what I've said. It's an advanced stage. He wants to come. City believe he's going to come. It's all there. It's all ready. But you never know what's going to happen. So, mm-hmm. and again, there's the sort of difference. So I wrote all that a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, look, there's talk about him signing a new contract. But, you know, it's, it's, it's at this stage. And this is what's going on with City. But then as soon as I used the word advanced yesterday, that goes on the aggregators. And that's when it blows up. And you've got Villa fans going, what's advanced about it? Blah, blah, blah. Whereas I gave more info two weeks ago and it wasn't quite as loud. So then if I go from this is the info to advanced to saying to you nine out of 10, that'd be bad news. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I would I'll just say what I've said already. Like yeah. It's in a good place. If he doesn't sign, he doesn't sign. Then he's, he's changed his mind and he stays with his boiled club. But as of the weekend, at least, and as of, I suppose even last night, that's, you know, City weren't expecting any problems with that. And you know, as soon as as soon as City find out that he's backed out, if he has, you know, like if, if in this hypothetical example, he's backed out, they'll start distancing themselves from it pretty quickly. Okay. Um, but at the moment, yeah, it's all kind of heading in, in one direction. But I'm not going to yep. put a number on it. I'll I'll put the headline. Uh, Sam Lee says eight out of ten Grealish is going to sign for Man City, and uh, yeah, that will go well. It'll do. It'll do well <laughs> for views. I think a lot of people will be very disappointed just to hear me moaning about about the life as a journalist, which is otherwise but- pretty sweet. No, we won't do that. Sam Lee, it's been a pleasure chatting to you today. Thanks very much for joining me. Yeah, thanks very much. Sorry it went on a bit, but, you know, I did a massive Twitter thread yesterday, the maximum allowed by Twitter, so you probably knew what you were getting into. Team 33, this is OTB Sports Radio. All right, so that's us done on Team 33 for this evening. Thanks as ever to you for listening. If you want to listen back to that show or listen back to any of the Team 33 shows, you can get us in the OTB Sports app. That's the best place to find us these days. Just look up OTB Sports. You can get that in the App Store or Google Play Store as well. Really handy place. You can get all your podcasts there and you can get the Football Pod with Paddy and Andy exclusively there on a Tuesday, the day before it comes out to everyone else on a Wednesday. So that's one of the benefits of getting the OTV Sports app onto your phone now. Back again, same time, same place next week. But until then, take away, Johan. (laughs) 